Macro Podcast number 430 for October 20th, 2014, brought to you by the great courses, learning at your pace, whenever and wherever you like, and Igloo, the internet you'll actually like. Welcome to another Macro Podcast. I'm Chris Breen, and of course, with me this week is my co-host. Hi, I'm Susie Oaks. Hi, it's Susie Oaks. Um, we are recording this the day after the Apple event. So we're recording on a Friday. And, uh, and I have to say, you must be exhausted. I'm a little tired, but, you know, it's not too bad. Apple events are fun. They're, they're a fun adrenaline thing. But then after you are tired. I'm glad that it's, you know, on a Tuesday, they usually happen on Tuesday, and then you got to power through the rest of the week. But now it's Thursday. I mean, today's Friday. So, I'm, you know, TGIF. All right. Um, well, you were there. I wasn't. I watched it on TV um, without the Chinese yeah, did it work? Yeah, the stream was good. It was Yay. it was really good. I I have to think after the September one where the stream was so bad in so many ways. I think they either contracted a new company to do it or that they they were on the Apple campus, so I think they had more control over yes. everything, which Apple likes. Um so the stream looked great. Uh, how many people were in the room? Because it seemed really intimate from it's the TV. It's small. Yeah, Town Hall is a really small room. It's about 300, I think. And it was full. It was very, very full. Um, but th it seemed like it had been renovated since the last time I had been there. I hadn't been there in a couple of years. And before, it was kind of high school auditorium. It was just little chairs, and they had the little flip-up desks that would come out of the mm -hmm. arm. And now the chairs were all like nicely designed, and they were wooden with like big cushions. So th they've done some work in there, and it didn't. It seemed a little more, you know, professional theater-like. But it was still. It, it hasn't gotten any bigger. I think they're planning on putting a bigger, um, you know, auditorium space in their new spaceship campus. Right. Um, so they announced a number of things. The invitation basically was, hey, we've got some stuff that we got to get off our plate because it's just been sitting there for a while. Yep. And I think that's kind of the way it worked out, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was like, here's some stuff. And then they, they tried to, you know, put it in context with the rest of the line. But a lot of the things in the line weren't changed. I mean, they mentioned a few times that we updated the laptops earlier this year. Like they definitely pointed that out more than once mm -hmm. to try to, you know, maybe stave off some of the, the, the day two, like, where are the new laptops, Apple? Kind of, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking. So we didn't get new laptops. We got a very lovely new iMac, but they only changed the big 27 retina. No, the other iMacs are, are the same. Right. And the sense I got was that the last event, the September event, they didn't do any of the recap stuff, really. They just said, okay, uh, we're doing great, and here's all the new stuff. And then they open the floodgates, and everything happens. This yeah. time, it was much more back to kind of regular form, where they say, oh, okay, now here are our numbers, and this is how this is doing, and we're going to show you some charts, and we're going to talk about how awesome we are and all the wonderful things we've done, and let's kind of meander our way through the following products. Um, and I think there are those people who follow Apple or who've been following Apple recently who would walk away from that and say, well, wait a minute, this wasn't exciting enough. There wasn't a flood of great new stuff, but rather it's just like, yeah, incremental updates. This was kind of interesting. Um, did you get a sense when people are, were going to go into the room that they were really anticipating something great or was it kind of like, yeah, here we are? 
Well, I mean, with the iPads being leaked the day before, everyone knew that there would be two iPads, that they would be called iPad Air 2 and iPad Mini 3, and that they would have Touch ID. So, you know, it lost a little surprise. I mean, none of those were really surprises anyway, but I mean, this time it was confirmed. So, so they didn't have any element of surprise there. Um, so... I guess you know we could hope that there would be some surprises. I know you were really hoping for the new Apple TV vision mm-hmm. um, to finally become reality. So, so yeah, the, really all they could have done was pull out something that hadn't been leaked. So, and and they didn't have any of that. Right. Okay. So let's talk about some of the stuff they released. Uh, first thing, iPad Air two and iPad Mini three, which looked like gold. Yeah. yeah, the gold color's kind of nice. They had a lot of gold ones in the in the demo area, and I'm not really a fan of the gold iPhone, but for some reason I liked it better on the iPad. I don't know why. Okay. And then they, Apple seems to be in love with lasers. <laughs> so, yeah. like, everything they do is say, like, ooh, look, laser. And so yeah. they did their laser video where they shaved a pencil with a laser. Or yeah. An effect that looked like a laser. Yeah, because iPad Air was the size of a pencil, and iPad Air 2 has gotten a little bit thinner. So they had a laser, and they shaved off, I think, 18% of off the top of a pencil, and that's now the size of iPad Air 2. It is really thin. I didn't. I should have brought the the old iPad Air to kind of compare, because when you just hold it without anything to compare it to, like it, you know, it just seemed like a nice thin iPad. It wasn't. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they made it thin. When they went from the, the bigger iPad to the Air, like that was more of a noticeable shift. And this was this is very subtle. Well, it's a good thing you didn't bring the old one because last time I attended one of these iPad events, I tried to take a, um, a picture of the old iPad sitting on top of the new one to show the difference. And uh, somebody in Apple PR leapt out and nearly strangled me. Oh no. Because I had my camera out. And the poor guy demoing it was going... What it's, is this a problem? Because I, I said, you know, can I take a picture? He said, yeah, no problem. But so somebody like leapt across there. What are you doing? Said, um, taking a picture? Is that okay? No, you. you know. And the, and the poor guy who's doing the demo was clearly you know some Apple engineer or something. He was just so flustered and, and yeah. embarrassed. And he's like, they told me not to yell at the reporters. Yes, yeah, so I'm not. You know, I thought I thought he, they could take pictures. Well, they can't take that kind of pictures. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> So um, maybe that's why I didn't get an invitation to this maybe. one. Maybe. <laughs> that guy's got a camera. Keep away from this. But so weird. Oops. Um, okay. So as I, as I looked through this, you know, it seemed like when developments like this happen, you see Phil Schiller come out, and he's the thin guy. And by that, I mean he's the one describing the thinner whatever the next thing is. And, and a lot of times this tends to be – iterative device like Mm -hmm. oh look you saw the last one look we made it thinner and when they lead with look we made it thinner that's when i kind of go okay not revolutionary update but rather evolutionary update it's going to be better but when you lead with thinner it's kind of like yeah we get it you like thinner yeah, it's weird how they're like, this is the thinnest iPad we've ever made, and, and, and the last iPhone is the is the thinnest iPhone we've ever made. And it's like, yeah, well, of course. I mean, you're not going to suddenly decide to start making them thicker. So it's it's a weird thing to tout. I mean, I, I guess it's important to have the trend line always moving towards thinner, but I don't know. I mean, I was saying on, the, on an earlier podcast that and instead of, you know, screen size choices, I wouldn't mind having 
a, a, a plus choice. Like they do this on Android a couple of, uh, for some of the bigger phones, you can get kind of a, you know, Galaxy S5 Max and it's a little thicker and it's got a bigger battery. So, so Apple, yeah, they really want to make it thin above all, but um, you know, and then they, they say it has the same battery life as the last, the last version. Yeah, so I think in terms of engineering, that's very impressive. Like, ooh, look what you were able to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get a faster processor in there, the screen's great, better battery life or the same battery life. And, and you made it thinner, so good on you. But um, I think there comes a point where it's, well, particularly I thought so with the, with the iMac, when they said, look, we're making the iMac thinner and thinner and thinner. It's like, well, who cares? Because when I'm sitting in front of it, I don't know. Yeah. It could be a foot thick and I would have no idea. Yeah, you have to look at it from the side to even tell. Right, right. So I guess with an iPad, it does make sense if you're using it to read, for example. I guess you could suffer some fatigue after a while if the thing Mm -hmm. is is heavy. So in that sense, it it makes sense. But I do think it's kind of a fetish with Apple. We're going to make this thinner and thinner. And I I have some sympathy for the poor engineers who, when that's on the top of their list, make it 18% thinner. Really? Could we just do something? You know, could we stop that and like make it 18% 18% more awesome. And I think Apple would say it is more than 18% more awesome. Yeah, even the the language that they use, they don't say something is, you know, five millimeters thick, which right. is kind of more accurate. They say it's five millimeters thin. So, yeah, it's, it's an obsession for sure. It's a thing they've been doing. Mm-hmm. So um, iPad Air 2 is faster, so that looks yeah. good. Um, I thought it was interesting they were showing off metal, not in terms of games, so they did no game demos this time. But yeah. rather a uh, movie thing and a, and a Pixelmator thing, which I thought was great because I, I think it delivers two messages. One is that metal can be used for something other than games. So that's a message to developers basically saying, you even if you're not doing games, this is going to be helpful to you in a lot of ways. And the other being that they were showing the iPad to be a productivity device instead of a consumption device. Yeah. I think that argument is is kind of fading but um but i still think that apple wants to underscore that idea that you can do real stuff with these devices yeah and you can use the same kind of applications that you're used to using on the desktop i mean i use pixelmator all the time i'm Mm -hmm. kind of upset when i have to use photoshop because pixelmator is faster to launch it's faster to use it's just it's got all the things that i need and i can get in and you know add some layers and change some sizes and get out so I'm excited about Pixelmator on the on the iPad. Now, what about the iPad Mini Three? Is I looked at the specs and oh, this kind of looks. The it's the same, same. <laughs> iPad. No, that's I'm kind of worried about that one. So the iPad Mini, they're they're keeping all the iPad iPads Mini on sale. So you've got the first one, which doesn't have the Retina screen. That's now the bargain basement cheapest iPad ever for two forty nine. Mm-hmm. Then you have last year's iPad Mini with Retina display, which is now called the iPad Mini Two. That's staying in the lineup at two ninety nine, but it is exactly identical to the new iPad except for Touch ID. I was asking the guys like, what is different in this? Because they really in the presentation they glossed over it really really fast. Yeah, yeah. But then um, you know I had some demo time with that and I was asking the nice demo gentleman what what is different about this and he was pointing out like some iOS 8 kind of things but the only hardware difference is touch ID so now it sort of feels like instead of you're buying last year's iPad and you're giving up you know some performance and some camera improvements but you're saving money it almost feels like last year's iPad is the base model 
And the iPad Mini 3 is, you know, the upsell if you want, you know, it's the fancy option. Like it's it's the heated seats of the mm-hmm. home button. You know, if you're going to get the the fancy seats in your car, like that's that's the iPad Mini 3 now. Like the Touch ID is just kind of an extra add-on. And I don't know if it's worth a hundred bucks. I mean, if you have Touch ID on your phone and you just love it and you're like, I'm never buying another iOS device that doesn't have Touch ID, Maybe that would sway you if you really love the the third party apps that use it. If you know you get hooked on signing into your Evernote account with Touch ID on your phone, you just have to have it on your iPad. I could see maybe, but I don't know. I think that iPad Mini three is not going to be a huge seller because it's just not that different. Yeah, a couple of things on that one. I, I think you're right that when other apps take advantage of Touch ID, that becomes a more attractive model as you yeah. say I'm like for Evernote uh, one password any any sort of thing where you don't want to have to go in and enter a code that will be very helpful to you currently though there's not a lot there so yeah I don't know and the other is do you think that the, we'll go into speculation mode is it that Apple really really wants you to spend the extra money on the larger iPad and therefore is making you know, significant performance improvements on the big one and saying, yeah, but if you're only kind of feel like dabbling, go ahead and get, get the mini three. Or in my case, I might get it because I have the original iPad mini and I hate reading books on it. Cause I, without the retina display, yeah. it's just not clear enough. So, um, yeah, if you're jumping up from the first iPad mini, I mean, it's good, but I mean, you could jump up to the second iPad mini, get yeah. the display you want, and just, you know, you just wouldn't have Touch ID. I guess it, it would be like kind of an omission if all the, the, the tablets and all the, the new phones had Touch ID and the mini didn't. So I can see why they, they wanted to, you know, kind of give it parity a little bit, but it's just weird that they didn't also make it thinner and give it a faster chip and all that stuff. Maybe it's kind of being squeezed from both ends now. I mean, mm-hmm. you've got the iPad Air with the bigger screen, but it's not that much heavier. Because um, when the first Mini came out, you know, it was significantly smaller and lighter. But then that second generation one, the iPad also got smaller and lighter. So that wasn't really the Mini's, you know, strength anymore. And now we have the iPhone 6 Plus, which is kind of creeping up on it from, you know, the handheld Thing. So if you have an iPad 6 Plus, it's like, or iPhone 6 Plus, <laughs> it's like you're walking around with a small tablet and it doesn't run the iPad apps, but it might be good enough for a lot of people. So so the mini is in a weird spot right now. It's kind of getting squeezed, I think, from the, from the iPad Air on one side and the iPhone 6 Plus on the other. And then with this round of iPads, they've done the same memory thing that they did before, which is basically mm-hmm. say, look, 16 gigabytes if you just want one. Because yeah. I think that's it. It's just sort of like, this is it. If you want one, 16 gigabytes is, is going to get you in. But then after that, they skipped 32, and they went right to 64, Right. which they did with the iPhones as well. Any thoughts on why they've done this? Yeah, I really think that, that it's, it does feel like they're, they're making the entry-level model like kind of cheap. Like they're saying, okay, like here's our entry-level price, and then that's the price point people remember. Like starts at mm-hmm. 499 but that's not really the one you want. And yeah, and since you know you have to get all the memory you're getting at the beginning, um, yeah, I think that, that it makes it an upsell. They did point out like, okay, so the 64 gig is $100 cheaper than it used to be if you wanted 64. But I don't think people you know, really, the 64 wasn't the thing they wanted, they just wanted more than 16. Yeah. You know, so 32 is more than 16, and they were they would be happy to get the 32 if it was still on offer, but it's not. So you got to jump up to 64. So if you always get the biggest one, then you know you're happy that the biggest one is 
is 128 now instead of 64. That's great. But yeah, I always went for the 32 on my phones. Yeah. So I'm happy to have the 64 gig phone, but you know, it's not like I would have gotten the 64 gig phone and I'm saving a hundred bucks. Like I was going to pay the same price either way. So. Right. Now, before we move on, um, last thing about the iPad that didn't get play during the presentation but came out later is that it um, for the cell models it has a carrier agnostic sim card in there that is so cool i can't believe they didn't mention that yeah except verizon's not on there oh maybe that's why yeah so maybe now, they promised verizon they would try to keep it quiet <laughs> i guess but you know of course it came out so everybody yeah. knows yeah because Verizon doesn't really do SIMs, right? I mean, aren't they that weird CDMA thing that none of their devices have SIMs? Or I don't know. I'm AT&T. Yeah, it may be for that reason. Um, my understanding is that if you take one of these new iPads in there, they can flash it so that it can use Verizon. But um, somebody told me, and maybe you've, you've seen the thing, there's no SIM slot on there for those models, unlike in the past where you could like uh, put your own in. But it's actually built in. And here it supports AT&T, T-Mobile, and Sprint? Yeah, it must be Sprint. That's weird. Yeah, but not Verizon, which which does seem odd. But apparently you can go to Verizon, you can have it flashed for that. I think it's a it's a cool idea. I wish it covered Verizon too, but maybe a te- there are technical reasons it doesn't. Because it does also allow you to take it overseas and use a service over there which makes it a much more flexible device instead of going, oh, now I have to come over and pull that little card and buy another one at the local drugstore and then throw it in there. So it just Yeah, that's really convenient. Yeah, so I think that was a nice idea. Like you, I was a little surprised they didn't mention that, but, um, you know, it's out there now. Maybe they just wanted to keep it to a certain time and they're like, this is a little complicated. It would take us a while to explain and then everyone would ask about it later and we'd have to explain the awkward omission of Verizon. So yeah, or yeah. you know they could have taken out some of the skits and made room for that. <laughs> I know so much comedy. <laughs> so much. Co- I want to talk about that when we come back. But first, a uh, word from the great courses: learning at your pace, whenever and wherever you like. Most of you are listening to this podcast because you like to learn new things, and I've always been a curious learner too. That's why I love the great courses. The great courses, which has been in production for over twenty years are engaging video and audio lectures taught by top professors and experts in their fields. Listen to or watch The Great Courses with online downloads and streaming via their apps or on DVDs or CDs. And you can do this at your own pace. And there are no exams or tests at the end. You can just learn. They offer over 500 subjects, including science, history, music, photography, and more. Now, I'm currently watching their Understanding Investments course by Duke University's financial economics professor, Connell Follenkamp. And I am because, well, frankly, I'm a dope about investments, and it's long past time that I learned something about managing and investing money. In the course, I've learned about stocks and bonds, mutual funds, marketing cycles, diversification, and compound interest. It's a subject that I found intimidating in the past, but thanks to the course, I'm finally getting a handle on it. Now, look, I'm not going to become a day trader based on this course, but at least I can now understand some of the language, the monthly statements I receive, and I can carry on an intelligent conversation with a broker. I really want you to try it, and you can easily. The Great Courses has a special offer for Macworld listeners. Order Understanding Investments and get 80%, that's 80% off the original price. But this 80% savings is available only for a limited time. Don't wait. 
go to thegreatcourses.com slash Macworld. That's thegreatcourses.com slash Macworld. Okay, so let's talk about the comedy, just briefly. Um, <laughs> they're doing more of this stuff lately. Federighi seems to be kind of the, the guy that comes out and, and makes the jokes. I mean, originally, I think when he first did his presentations, they were just natural to him. He just cracked jokes in the middle of his thing, and everybody went, wow, somebody's being funny on, on, on stage at an Apple event, which is great. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, Steve would make his little funnies, but they're very kind of quiet, you know, but whereas Federighi And they just, were more sarcastic. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was kind of like he would make fun of Google or Android or, you know, yeah, Microsoft. But it wasn't it wasn't like he was making jokes right. for, la for laughs. Right. Yeah. And now they're working the room for laughs. Although Tim Cook was the first to do it. And I think that was maybe that was organic. I don't know if it was scripted or not, but the whole thing about the fashion and yeah. Uh, and it came across beautifully on on Apple TV. You know, he kind of looks at the camera and he points at it, you know, and winks. And it was it was great. I thought it was really a nice moment. But then we get into more of the skitty stuff, but topical, you know, so I thought it was good. So they made fun of their security breach. Yeah. Uh, Federighi did a video about it and um, and part of his presentation. Maybe they had to leak. Maybe they leaked the stuff on purpose. So the presentation would be funny. Because if there wasn't a security breach, none of those jokes would have worked. That's true. <laughs> I mean, and like they, you know, obviously they prep these things way in advance. So well, yeah, particularly the video, the the secret handshake video. They yeah, that was hilarious. You, everyone should go watch that. That's that's worth it. Well, okay, so that's an interesting theory is that Apple actually pre-produces like the Oscars. They do these pre-production skits. Um, the, Although I will say, you know, if we're going to compare skits, because what the heck, we dissect these keynotes every way we possibly can. I think the Colbert one worked much better than some of the other stuff they've done. Yeah, the Colbert one was funny. It went on a little too long. Yeah. Um, I was like, oh, wow, they really called Stephen Colbert with the Mac. That's kind of fun. But then they you know, went back and forth about his title and this and that. And yeah, it was just like, can, can we talk about the iPads now? Because they hadn't they hadn't really announced anything new yet. They were just kind of recapping Yosemite features. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've we've seen these Yosemite features before. There wasn't anything new. So I was like, OK, you know, my battery's dying. I want to I, <laughs> I want to talk about products. That's why we're here. Let's get to so. it. But at least they they acknowledged in there and I don't know if that was on script or not but the last thing that Colbert said is you know where's my where's my Apple Watch yes I look at my wrist and all I see is my wrist yeah so um, and they did talk about the watch some yeah yeah you were right that they didn't give a, a, a release date or some more you know the actual prices of the whole line we, we they have told us that it would start at 350 but you know that's just the starting price so right yeah, we didn't get any new details, but you know, it, they're excited. Oh, and they said that they were releasing watch kits to developers in November. So that's you know the next step on the roadmap is they'll get the developers all making apps, and then do you think maybe they'll have a, a like a separate event for the launch so they can demo some of these apps to everybody? Yeah, I think so. I think this is a big enough deal to them with their launching an entirely new product category that they're going to yeah. revisit this. Again, New Year, so January, February, it will be far enough away from these things. I think they want to make a big splash, not just to kind of the audience for the stuff they did yesterday, but the fashion world as well. I really think they're they're trying to reach out in a significant way, and I think they need another event to do that. Yeah. With this, 
one of the things I thought was interesting and good is that during Federighi's um, presentation, he showed some practical purposes for the watch. You know, when they first showed it, they said, ooh, heartbeat and ooh, this, that, you know, just trying to give you the overall isn't this cool factor, whereas he said, hey, look, I can... I can control my Apple TV. Hey, look, I can control my presentation using this thing, which gave some people, I think, a better notion of what would I use this for? Yeah. In a, particularly in a, in a business sort of context. So I thought that was a, a nice kind of subtle way of uh, shoring up the practicality of this thing beyond the fact that it's just, ooh, isn't that cool? Yeah, they're all about pointing out how their different devices work together. You know, your Mac can pick up stuff from your iPad, and your iPad can get your, you know, your iPhone can get your iPad online, and just all, all the different things that happen there. So, yeah, it does make sense that, okay, like now you can command all of this stuff from something that's just going to be like right there on your arm. You don't even have to try to figure out <laughs> which device to reach for. Like they're all kind of within your reach all the time, which is right. nice. Yeah. Um, then we talked about, well, one of the things we had been predicting is retina. And mm-hmm. we, got, we got one thing. Yeah, it's nice, too. It's really nice. So this is the new iMac 5K. iMac with retina 5K display. Right, that rolls off the tongue. Yeah. Um, 2500 starting price for this. Right, which is the same price that Dell is asking for their monitor, which is, you know, the 5K monitor with the same resolution, and it's just a monitor. So they, they definitely emphasize that, like, several times. They're like, you get a whole computer, and it's a Mac, and that's so great. So, yeah, they had, they had them in the demo room, and they were showing full 4K resolution video being edited in Final Cut Pro, at full size and you still had room for everything else in Final Cut Pro and it wasn't even running in full screen. They still had the dock along the bottom hogging up all that dock space. So yeah, it was pretty impressive. It didn't seem to slow it down. I never saw a beach ball. They had giant photos being edited in iPhoto and Aperture. It it looks really great. Yeah, and, and yet they did not release a Thunderbolt Retina 5K display. Nope. So does that mean that this Mac is now the one for the pros, even though they have the Mac Pro out there that could run? uh, I mean, it does run 4K displays because you need two Thunderbolt buses to do it, but it can happen. Yeah. And so, but they didn't release a pro monitor. Instead, they just said, this is what we got, and this is an iMac. And so for you people using the Mac Pros, get your 4K display somewhere else or wait a while and maybe we'll do something in that space yeah i mean i feel like there'll be a monitor sometime maybe it's still like kind of too expensive to make a standalone monitor that won't be you know like the 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 computer is is the the cheaper part and the monitor is the expensive part and if they put out just the display it wouldn't be it wouldn't have the value i don't know i don't know why they did that um and then the annoying part is that i don't on some of the, the iMacs, the old 27-inch iMacs, I'm not sure if they do this now, but it actually had a video in, and you could use the iMac as, as a display. Mm-hmm. But um, I checked, and, and you cannot do that with the, with the Retina one. So, so if you had a Mac Pro and you just wanted to use the Retina iMac as a display, you could not do that. Well, drat. I guess we'll have to go to somebody else for our 4K displays for, for the yeah. time being. Um, so... You saw it, everything on there. The space looked good. Did you walk up to the the monitor and just go, my God, that is just gorgeous? 
Yeah, it's really nice. It's, I mean, you know, when you see the Retina MacBook Pro and those came out, like those, those are beautiful and Yosemite looks really good on Retina, that nice thin type and all those, uh, those nice flat icons. So yeah, it looked great. Everything was so detailed and text was really crisp and it was very bright. Um, I felt like I had to, to sit back from it a little bit. Oh, I don't really? know. I've been using a, on my desk, I've been using a really old 24 inch Apple display mm-hmm. And it wasn't even the LED backlit one, and I just switched to the 27-inch Thunderbolt display, and just like the difference in the backlighting, like kind of blew me away. So, so yeah, it's 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 nice and bright. Um, they they have the the controller. They 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 came up with their their single controller, so that gives it more energy efficiency. They have one controller running all 14.7 million pixels, and I guess on the other excuse me, on the other 4K and 5K monitors, they have two controllers. So that, that Dell one that costs the same, you have to have two DisplayPort 1.2 connections. So if you use that with your, your Mac Pro, that would take two Thunderbolt ports away from you mm-hmm. just to hook up the monitor. Yeah. So, so yeah, you don't have any of that problem with the iMac since it only has one controller and you don't have to hook anything up to it because it's the whole computer. A few more things to talk about, but first, a word from Igloo, which is the internet you'll actually like. Igloo is an internet you'll actually like. It's built with easy-to-use apps like shared calendars, Twitter-like microblogs, file sharing, and more. Everything is built right in, and everything is social, meaning you can share it, you can comment on it, you can rate it, and you can like it. It's all about getting your company communicating better and more openly. Technology is getting progressively more mobile, from smartphones to Wi-Fi to wearables, and it's all about connecting on the go. With Igloo, one of its best features is that its internet solution was designed with mobile in mind, with responsive design built in. So it'll work on the latest and greatest iPhone, and even those Android and BlackBerry devices too. Try Igloo today for free. Go to igloosoftware.com macworld. Once again, that's igloosoftware.com slash Macworld. Okay. And then, so Phil Schiller gave the big talk about the, uh, the 5K iMac. And then he said, oh, yeah, and, and uh, Mac Mini. <laughs> the poor Mac Mini. <laughs> poor, poor Mac Mini. Well, yeah, it's, um, again, people were hoping for a new form factor that maybe, like, be a little donut compared to the big uh, Mac Pro donut. It wasn't same form factor. It's uh, it's less expensive than before, mm-hmm. and they're not doing the server model anymore. Yeah, they got rid of the server one. Maybe Which people, maybe no one was buying it. Well, I think that is a nod to reality. But I know a lot of people who own the thing, who are a little geeky, granted, and they buy it specifically for that. Every I mean, I have a Mac Mini next to me here. It has no monitor plugged into it. I use it for serving media and backup and contacts and calendars through OS 10 server. And it's a great little device for that because it's not the most powerful Mac in the world, but as, as a device to serve stuff around my house, it's amazing. And it's, and it's a great price point, but I guess they figured, well, server costs, I don't know, 30 bucks or something now on the app store. So if you want it, you can add that to an existing one. But it was not the Mac Mini that everybody had been hoping for that was going to be bumped up enough so that you would have a serious choice between using an iMac and using a Mac Mini. I don't think that choice is is there now. 
Yeah, and they they made the storage smaller. You can't upgrade it past one terabyte. Like it's one terabyte, and that's the absolute ceiling that you can order in a Mac Mini, and then you got to go external. So, so yeah, I think the people that really wanted a Mac Mini upgrade, like you know, I don't know if this is gonna do it for them. I think they're gonna be a little bummed. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not that, and you could tell again by the amount of time that Phil devoted to it was about two sentences, and I think maybe it got a slide. I think it got a slide. My friend Seamus that I was sitting next to, he said that his uh, his dream that he knew was never going to happen was that they would come out with a Mac Mini that was a mini version of the tower. (laughs) So you'd have your your shiny pro wastebasket and then your little mini, like, ashtray. Yeah, and well, and that was um, that's been Dan Frank's dream forever. I mean, back in the day, it was the Mac Mini Mini Tower, yeah, where you'd have you know a couple of slots, but not the huge number you had yeah, before, you and it would be upgradable, put in more and, storage, yeah, yeah, all this stuff. And really, they're just kind of saying, look, if you want to do your little server thing, it's still here, and it's less expensive than it was. And you can't even upgrade the Pro Tower anymore, so right, right. Or you can get the Mini for your, a student. That's uh, my daughter has a, a Mac Mini. That's her her computer at home because she doesn't need massive amounts of power but she's got a Mac and she likes using a Mac and it's perfectly fine for that um, and those people who were hoping that there would be a media drive yeah forget. no there will never be another media drive <laughs> or a SCSI port either in, so. in an Apple computer it's just not ever going to happen again never never going to happen um, okay so that was it for hardware they didn't do the Apple TV they did they talked a little bit more about the watch Maybe the Apple TV with in the watch will be the next the next big event. They'll do them together. That's what I have posited on my yeah. on a piece I wrote today. That, that I was th- a gr- great piece. Everyone th- go read Chris's piece. Thank you. But I think I think that's the idea that the Apple TV. I still think it's a HomeKit thing. Not. Mm-hmm. I mean, certainly it's going to do media, but having not done that, and then the watch coming out indicates to me that the watch is a controller and trigger as much as anything else yeah for your home and also that it's location aware and so when you're in certain rooms certain things can happen based on where it is and the apple tv ends up handling all the traffic so right now we know that the the watch requires your iphone to be nearby maybe it will work if you're near uh, an apple tv as well so that it doesn't require that having the iphone in your pocket to do that sort of thing yeah, because the connected home stuff that's out now, I mean, it can all be controlled from an iPhone. That's totally fine. But then you think, oh, great, I'll be able to control my lights from my iPhone. And that's kind of fun the first few times. But then later on, you're like, oh, I really want to turn that light off. Like, where's my iPhone? And you got to go get your iPhone. So, so yeah, having a watch controller will, will make a lot more sense and will make this thing. It'll seem all futuristic, like smart home stuff with the, you know, the control. But then it will also not introduce a new level of inconvenience. I mean, there's nothing there's nothing inconvenient about a light switch, except yeah. that it's on the wall. So, but yeah, it's it'll be nice to have more options for controlling these things. Yeah, I certainly hope so. And, I, and again, it makes sense to have all this done on a device that you're really gonna carry with you versus mm-hmm. it's on the kitchen counter and you're across the house somewhere and go, oh wait, I gotta go get my phone because it's really hot. Yeah. And I have to turn down the heat. Um, last, they actually opened with Yosemite, provided yet another overview of it because they released it yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, any features there that surprised you? Um, I have one that I just discovered that I think is really cool, and Apple didn't show it at all ever. 
And this is um, the ability to use dictation commands within Automator, which for some people is going to sound, oh, that's so geeky, I'm never ever going to do that. But what it does is delivers on the promise of the Star Trek computer, where yeah. if you leave dictation open and you've configured enough of these Automator actions, you can just issue commands to it and it will fire off not only workflows from Automator, but also Apple scripts. Um, it doesn't, that doesn't seem obvious, but that is a feature as well. So if you're interested in automation in any way, I urge you to check that out. Open up Automator and configure a, uh, a voice commands action or a workflow and start playing with it because there's some really cool things that you can do with that. That too is another article we've, we just recently done, but um, an undersold feature, but one that I think could be significant in the future and and maybe we'll cause more people to dive into automator and, and give it a go yeah it looks like fun i want to try that out so other stuff in yosemite that uh that we should pay attention to in the next few days as it's still pretty new um i haven't gotten into itunes yet i hope it, it didn't you know get worse because <laughs> <laughs> i really don't this like iTunes can, yeah. that much i'm i'm complaining a lot today but yeah so so itunes 12 it'll be is it a step forward or, or a step back or a step sideways that that's what that's what i'm interested in finding out next i haven't even gotten into it yet at all well i know that that Craig Federighi showed a little bit of iTunes in that saying, hey, look, your most recently acquired stuff is now at the top of the window. And my immediate reaction, because I'm like you, I'm wary of iTunes whenever there's a new version out. I thought, okay, well, now you've got more large graphics taking up more of my interface. Mm -hmm. So as much as I love the album art because it's pretty, I have a lot of music and a lot of media in iTunes. And that just gets in my way. So I know that they've, they've done things to slim down the interface and, and make it more attractive, like a shelf in a, in a CD store, if such things still exist. But if you're kind of a power media user, I don't think that iTunes 12 is going to suddenly make you go, oh, finally, this is what I've been waiting for. iTunes could use some voice control. Well, hmm. There are some, yeah, I mean, there are, there are some Apple scripts that you could, I mean, if you go to Doug's, uh, Doug's Apple scripts for iTunes, and I'll put a link in the show notes to that, there's a ton of stuff that you can do with iTunes via Apple script. And okay. as that stuff is voice commandable now, that's really interesting. I should Because, I mean, they had all those Siri commercials where people are telling Siri what songs to play, and then the song starts playing, and we all dance along, and it's great. But, um, yeah, it's it's weird that you can't do that on the Mac yet without a bunch of extra steps yeah i i have to think that siri is coming for the mac though this the unique thing about this whole automator and and voice thing is that it's tied into the dictation engine which is different than speakable items in the past speakable items i don't know about you if you ever tried to use the thing but that little lozenge would pop up and you'd hold down the key to speak to it and you'd say something and your Mac would ignore you and then you'd try saying it in a different accent and it would still ignore you and you'd say it like a hundred different ways and finally it would say, oh, and then it would issue the wrong command. Yeah. Now, because... Not exactly a time saver. No, not at all. It's just like, you try it once and go, oh, okay, this stinks. I'm never going to use it again. Yeah. But now they're using dictation, which actually is good at recognizing things. I've tested this out using the beta, and um, it actually works. So when you issue a command, it responds quickly, and it responds correctly, and then stuff happens. So um, 
that leads me to believe that even though Siri may be a different technology, that Apple understands the power of being able to talk to your computer and have stuff happen. Yeah. So I think maybe this is an early look at it, which is another reason that I think people should explore it. And, yeah, definitely. Uh, and see what they see what they can do with it. Yeah, you got you got to believe it's coming. They're probably working on it somewhere in Cupertino right now. What was the uh, there was one more weird thing about the iPad, and this never happens at Apple things. They said you can pre-order it tomorrow, and it'll ship by the end of next week. Like, do they ever have products where they don't just tell you when it's shipping? That's so weird. Like, you can order a product, but you don't know exactly what day you're going to get it yet. Yeah. Now, because I know pre-orders started this morning, and it's Friday. Yeah. Um, I haven't ordered one, so I don't know what it's... But usually they will tell you on when you do the pre-order, it's gonna, it will be there, you know, order it today, and you'll get it Friday or something. Yeah. Which is kind of typical. You do the pre-order, and then the following Friday it's supposed to be... Yeah, they never said, like, you know, when you can go buy one in a store. That's right. Yeah, it was all about the pre-orders. It may be that all their factories are... So busy churning Even out the press iPhone release 6s. says it'll be available starting later next week, and that's just so unApple to not have like a specific day. I don't know. I, th- I thought that was strange. Hmm. Okay. Well, we'll certainly be reporting on when that happens, and yeah, uh, and we'll try to get our hands on it as soon as we can, so we can review it for you. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Well, again, awesome job yesterday doing all the stuff that you did in in Thanks. Cupertino before and afterwards. Yeah, and, uh, it was a good team effort, I think, by everybody. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was fun. So good. And uh, so let's say that's a wrap. Yeah. Thank you, thank you very much again. Thank you. And that concludes this episode of the Macworld Podcast, brought to you by The Great Courses, learning at your pace whenever and wherever you like, and Igloo, the internet you'll actually like. And if you have any comments or questions, you can drop us a line at podcast at macworld.com.